Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Mazadonsky. And today I have a special guest with me. And this one topic is going to make me blush a little bit. I'm glad you guys can't see me, but welcome, Danielle. Tell our listeners who you are and what you do. Uh, yeah. So my name is Danielle Savory. I'm a sex and pleasure coach for women, and I really help women increase their desire, their sensual and sexual pleasure. And that's, that's what I do. That's the coaching, whether it's courses or talks or my own podcast, this is really what we focus on. And my background's in neuroscience. So you always find a lot of my you know, information through the lens of the brain and the nervous system, because I think it's so important that we understand how everything is working together and really just illustrating for women, not only the importance of this and bringing it, prioritizing our own pleasure, especially our sexual pleasure, but that it's totally possible. Yeah. Let's dive into some of that. Let's dive into what are some of the benefits from the pleasure and the orgasm. Let's just go right in. Yeah. Well, I mean, I personally think that there's so many wide, you know, spread benefits of orgasm, sexual pleasure, but just from the well-being perspective, there are benefits of orgasms just on the brain alone. You know, the way that it floods our brain with really good neurochemicals, the way that it allows us to get out of the stress cycle more. That's really an important piece where what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Like There is like things that we need to do to get out of the stress cycle in order to experience pleasure. But the more that we experience that pleasure, the more that it helps kind of buffer our nervous system creates more resilience. Um, it helps lower our blood pressure. It helps like heart, you know, our heart health and our heart function. I mean, there's so many things like just physiologically that it helps, but really what I find that sexual pleasure and orgasms help with women is more in the larger picture of things like giving you the vitality. Like so many women that I work with, they just see, you know, the more that I started prioritizing my own pleasure and experiencing more of this orgasmic pleasure, particularly, it just felt like you know, in Dorothy, where she goes from Kansas to <laughs> Munchkin land, and it's like that vibrant color, like just the more color they have in the life, the more that it becomes from, especially if you're in long-term partnerships, just the, from that roommates, like day to day, the busy stuff to like flirting again and passionate and feeling really deeply and intimately connected with your person, the way that you look on life. You know, so many women that I talk to are just tired, like they're tired all of the time. And the way that this actually does energize you and it gets you motivated again, and it gets you feeling purposeful and driven in other goals, not just, you know, sexual goals, but just the way that you're showing up in your life. Like that's what I really see. And my favorite aspect, honestly, of focusing on this is the relationship that it requires you to develop between you and you and really that level of understanding and meeting your nervous system and having a different type of relationship with your body and seeing that you're worthy of taking time to rest and experience ecstatic pleasure and everything that your body is wired for that to me is the number one benefit hands down what about confidence yeah, well, that goes hand in hand with that relationship that you have with your body, right? And speaking boldly, like so many women, when they learn how to stand up for what they want and speak into their desires, then they can go out and use that as a skill in the world. Because when you think about it, like being able to show up 
totally naked, totally vulnerable, not just it actually not having clothes on, but naked in so many ways in the bedroom and asking for what you want. It makes looking like asking for that raise so much easier. <laughs> you know, like all these other things that we're afraid of showing up for or making a post on social media or going after, you know, the business or writing the book that you want. You're like, oh, well, if I can do it here, it does actually make it so much easier everywhere else because it kind of comes back to, again, having your own back and speaking into your desires. Well, and when you're learning that to really know your body. Yes, it feels exactly. so good. It feels so good. So what are some of the common things that you have women come to you for, like struggles? Yeah, well, I think that it's so interesting because I think there's this hesitation for so many women that they feel like there has to be something that's really wrong or really problematic in order to even embark on this work. And so, so much of my messaging at the beginning is really like, hey, like, it doesn't have to suck for it to get better. Like, cause so I think that we've gotten to this place where like, it's good enough or it's fine or like, yeah, it's okay. So really having women understand that we can start from this place of like, it doesn't have to be a problem for it to get better. So mm -hmm. a lot of the women that I work with and that come to me, they might have fine sex. Like it's good. It's not like anything to write home about, but they might have some orgasms every once in a while, but they're just not feeling like they want it very often. It doesn't cross their mind. Everything else is coming up first. You know, it's like, well, if my partner initiates it, then maybe I'd be into it. Or if it's brought up in conversation, you know, then I'll put it on the schedule or something like that. But it's not something that they are just desiring in their body and like really wanting more of that connection in their body. So a lot of what we work on is just creating the time and space and tapping more into that desire to want it and to not just have this communication and experience with your partner that really is going through the motions, especially in the busy season of the life. Like a lot of women that I work with have, you know, businesses or career goals or kids at home, or they're even like maybe chasing after like the next chapter because the kids are out of the house. And so they're like, okay, what's next? And figuring out that this really can be an important part of their relationship going forward. So do you think that is the main part of it? Like people, we're just feeling busy and we're not making time for it. I think there's so many different things that go on. I think that one of the things is, yeah, I, depending on who we're talking to, right? Like an audience that has kids in the house, there's so much of that going on. Like I am really busy, right? Like I am just tired. I am really busy. I have a lot of goals. You know, for some other people, it has felt more of like something I'm doing for my partner. Not that it doesn't feel good or I don't enjoy it, but I really do look at this as something to satisfy my partner or be an instrument of our relationship or intimacy, but not something that's really for me. And so that is such a huge part of changing our perspective and looking at our mindset and learning how to tap into our body to see that this is actually a gift for us. This is a 
place where we can feel truly nourished and connected to our body and connected to our partner, but that doesn't have to just be through the lens of something that I'm doing to keep the marriage happy or doing to keep my partner happy. So yes, the busyness, yes, there's, you know, this whole other piece of like something that I'm doing or giving to my partner to keep the peace and keep everybody happy. And, you know, the other thing that I feel like is a huge blocker is also just time and creating the time and the space, but that hesitation that you might feel for tapping into your desire or bringing it up or the uncomfortability. And also if you're not having great sex, you're not going to want to make time for it. So that's like the whole other piece is like, how can we actually want something that's not that great to begin with? So sometimes it's just making the sex better and then it's easier to want it. How do you feel about scheduling it? I am a hundred percent a huge advocate of scheduling. Absolutely. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. So what do you think about like giving someone tips that feels that way? Like you said, they're making it about their partner. Yeah. So how do I, they I think that them. Yeah. Well, I think the first thing is like getting really clear about how this can be for you. So you don't have to be, you know, especially when we're doing any kind of thought or mindset work, when we have been given a message and the way that women have been socialized in our society, it really isn't about our pleasure, right? It's like, we've been taught messages about how to be desirable, never how to actually tap into our own desire. We have been taught messages about being objects of pleasure, not being the one that is pleased and pleased pleasure is at the forefront of our own motivation. And so understanding that this is like generationally passed down for us as women, that this ever has not been represented to us in, you know, whether it's in our family unit or in mainstream media, that this actually can be for you. And so just understanding and having compassion for like, oh, it makes sense why I would just feel like this is something I'm giving to my partner. I've never actually been taught that it is for me. Like sometimes we're taught like, oh, it can feel good, but we're never taught that this could actually be for us. And starting to write down or create evidence how and why it can be, because you are going to come up against that you know, cognitive dissonance of this old belief system that it's like, no, it's really for them. So we have to start training our brain to see ways that it's for us. And so, you know, the benefits just that I quickly listed off a couple of them, not even that many of them, that is really helpful, but then getting more personal because for me personally, like I know a lot of health benefits, like I know kale is good for me to eat, but that's not really motivating <laughs> for yeah. me. So it's like understanding the health benefits, but then also like why for you, you know, like I want to have more energy. I want to represent to my daughters that this can really be like an impactful and important part of their life. I want to see how to nourish my own body. I want to see what I'm capable of. That's one of my favorite ones. I want to see what my body is capable of. I want to expand my pleasure potential. I want to see how this can fuel other areas of my life. So that curiosity, Velocity, but you know, just fun little goals for yourself, like multi-orgasms or different types of orgasms, different types of experiences, like how can this be fun and how can this truly be for you? And I work with a lot of high achieving women, entrepreneurs, you know, doctors, architects, uh, business owners, CEOs, and one of their motivating things is to see how 
you know, tapping into this part of their life and incorporating this part of their life really gives them the ability to show up fully in other areas of their life, because that's one of the things I find is truly inspirational. It's like, how do we show up fully in other areas of our life when we like push away and reject this one very vital piece of us? So I think it's really just developing, you know, a different perspective and opening our mindset of all the ways that this can benefit us. Oh, when you said that, that is so interesting. I never thought about it, like being that way of learning to pleasure yourself and have those feelings that it really can impact other areas of your life. Yes. It's the biggest one. And that's the biggest shift I saw. Cause it's like, how can we expect to truly show up? We always talk about like, you know, don't, don't dim your light, like shine fully bright where there's like a huge part of our entire existence that we are ignoring and pushing away or have shame around or rejection around. It's like, you're literally rejecting a huge part of you. So if we're continuously rejecting or pushing off or not thinking that this part is worthy or important, then how can we expect to show up to our full capacity and our full expression in other areas? Well, what kind of came up for me when you were saying that is, I think we've never really had these kind of honest conversations around sex and pleasure. Because if you're thinking about it, like when you're a teenager, all you're told is like, just don't do it. Like, don't. so when does that conversation actually change to having a partner and giving yourself pleasure and it being okay? Like you said, the word shame, I think so many of of us would have that feeling and then we don't open up these conversations. Yeah. Well, and I think, you know, to really understand historically what's going on is such an important piece because learning now we could say, oh yeah, we could have these conversations, but it just, it really wasn't available. You know, it really wasn't available. I mean, you just look at what's happened in the media the past decade, you know, between the Me Too, Me Too movement and body positive. Shut down or protected themselves in so many ways. And so, and when we just look at like basics, like our our sexual pleasure was never important like the sex was important for our security in marriage to keep your you know your husband happy to keep them keep that family unit together but it was never presented as pleasurable or desirable. And so it makes sense. Like we're uncomfortable because we really haven't had these conversations. Now we have the privilege of being able to open a business loan. That wasn't even possible to like the eighties as a woman, like, right. So it's like, we have to see that there's so many historical reasons why this happened. And now we do have the opportunity as women to, you know, financially support ourselves, be feeling really secure with our family, raise children without men if we chose to. So we get to look at this relationship from a completely different lens of really being truly for us and like letting pleasure empower us and not just doing it out of obligation and duty. Oh, that's good. I love that. Let's touch on, we talked about this before we jumped on, but I want to make sure we talk about um, just women in our bodies after babies. And I don't know how much you see that as a discomfort, but then showing up like 
in that world, when you have all these changes and maybe some insecurities or just getting busy with those babies and then sex may be lacking. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, whether it's like after babies or just as we age in general and different hormonal changes, like um, I've worked with a lot of women with uh, illnesses and medical issues and surgeries from things like cancer. Like there's so many changes that we go through in our body and it makes sense that we feel uncomfortable, (laughs) you know, with these changes. And so one of the main things that I love to think about when it comes to learning how to embrace our body, and it's really about feeling sexy. So it comes back to what I said before of it makes sense why we would feel uncomfortable because we've taught to be desirable. And we've taught how to be desirable in a very small box of our beauty standards. Mm. So tapping into your own desire and putting the desirability aside is a huge part of it. But then also understanding that what our body looks like from the outside is only one part of our experience of the body. We can see how we feel, you know, like how how our touch is, like all these other senses. So when I'm really working with women to tap into their sensuality, sensuality is five senses. It's not just like image. And so we could start to develop a foundation of a lot of self-love and body love and a body appreciation by taking out a little bit of that self-image and that visual part at the beginning. Because when you start to tap into how your body's actually feeling and how it can get lit up by touch and the way that music makes you move and you start feeling freedom, like just in the movement and liberation without looking at yourself you start to have such a different appreciation and adoration for your body. You get to start being the giver and the receiver of pleasure. And the more that that relationship is really solidified, it's easier than to come back to that image and through that lens, start being like, oh, but it feels so good and I love it. But also we're human beings. So it's like, it makes sense. We're getting messages all the time about like what sexy looks like. So Mm -hmm. it's also just giving yourself like, of course I feel this way. Like, look at what happens when I look in a magazine or look at, you know, how my boobs look pre-breastfeeding or they're not falling into my armpits anymore. (laughs) You know, like a total different position looked way different when you had perky boobies versus not, you know? So it's just like also understanding, like give yourself permission to grieve the loss. And I think that's part of what we don't do. There's so much of this emphasis on like getting it back. You're not going to get it back. And that shouldn't be the goal, but we can grieve certain parts of our life. Like so many areas of our life are impermanent and giving ourselves permission to acknowledge that impermanence and not make it a bad thing, just part of life, grieve it. And then I can't wait to see how much I love this next version of my body. I can't wait to see like what pleasure is possible with this body the way it is now. I like that. Cause I almost feel like guilt yeah. Or not loving what happened to boobs after breastfeeding. I <laughs> struggle with that one, but it is, that's, I almost feel like a guilt for like being hard on myself. I'm like, you had two babies, you fed them. Yeah. Like, but I do, I'm like hard on myself about it, but I also don't want my girls to see that. I'm really big on them seeing, yeah. cause I have two daughters and I'm really big on them seeing, you know, more of that, like just loving myself for as I am. And I'm, you know, all bodies are different. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think that's like such a, you know, point of tension in our own mind is like, we understand if how we want to represent it to the next generation of children, right. And how we want to represent like body love and body appreciation, but we still have grown up with such a different message of body positivity and such a, you know, in the era of like Victoria's secret magazines getting delivered to your house and like all these sorts of things, like it makes sense and having compassion. It's like when that voice comes in, you know, I, it's like, instead of even going to that place of guilt, being like, oh, of course I have this voice coming in that's so hard on myself. Like, look at the messages I've received for my whole life. Like, oh, woman, like you're doing such a good job and I'm not available for that anymore. Like, I, I of course I'm expecting them. I understand why they're there and that's not what I'm focusing on. And just like that switch, like the compassion that these thoughts are going to come up. These belief systems are going to come up. These comparisons to what a sexy figure is like are going to come up. We can have compassion for the part of our ourselves and our lives and our brains that have been barded with those kind of images and then calmly and lovingly redirect without making a big fanfare of the fact that they're still flooding our brain. Yeah, that is so good. Because even with aging, like you said, yeah. I think- hormones and all these things changing in women. <laughs> totally. Um, so how much does do hormones affect that like desire? I'm not there yet. So the going into menopause. Yeah. Well, I think it's so interesting because there is a huge um, lack of education around perimenopause, mm-hmm. menopause. And I think that's a huge important part of women's health that's finally being addressed and talked to. That being said, I also feel like it can be this place where we immediately want to blame something going on with our bodies for our lack of desire or our lack of libido. It has an impact for sure, especially when you get into menopausal, there's different blood flows happening. There's different, you know, sensations happening and with, you know, the sensation and the blood flow alone can make it feel like more of an effort where something felt easier before it can make it feel like more of an effort. So of course that's going to impact how much you want it, because if it's going to make more of an effort, (laughs) it's just, it's one more thing, right? But when we use our largest sex organ, which is our brain to focus on attraction, to focus on anticipation, to focus on excitement, to be in our bodies and experiencing sensuality, your brain has a way bigger impact and way more influence on your overall desire and your libido than hormones ever will. Because I have worked with, you know, women like in their early twenties who have zero desire, zero libido. If they get their hormones checked out, they're not on medication that impacts them. And there is no physiological reason for this lack of desire or libido. And then on the flip side, I've worked with, you know, cancer patients and, you know, menopausal women and women in their sixties and seventies who do not have the hormone 
uh, levels that they used to in their youth and are experiencing way more desire and sexual pleasure than they ever did before. So that just really goes to show that we can change so much with our outlook and the way that we approach and our mindset and we get to create our desire. And that really is a skill to understand that desire doesn't happen to you. It is something that you can create and it's so empowering when we understand how to do that. So would you say when you are having more frequent sex that you actually crave it more? Uh, Yeah, I think that, you know, we go through seasons, right, (laughs) in general. But I think that there's this difference of like, am I giving myself the space and the opportunity to crave it? more than just having it regularly. But I do notice by having it more regularly, I'm thinking about it more. It is on the top of your mind and it's way easier to want it. You don't have to remind yourself to think about it because you just had it yesterday. You're like, wow, so good. I can't wait for, you know, in a couple more days when we get it on. So I do think that frequency can have a huge impact, but even more than frequency, I would say the quality is a way bigger thing. So if somebody wanted to spice it up, you better quality, what is like one one tip you could give? Get out of your head and into your body. (laughs) That's true. It's the biggest one. I mean, it sounds so simple. People are like probably rolling their eyes, but it's so, there's so many ways that we don't even acknowledge that we're getting into our head during sex, whether maybe it is putting the lights on, maybe it is um, thinking about how long you're taking or things aren't working. Yeah. <laughs> like, or frustrated about our boobs then where they're yes. <laughs> yes. See, I'm like, I have mostly the time I have sex is during the day. So it's like, oh, we have skylights, we have bright lights. Like I don't even remember last time I had sex in the dark just because of the time of day I typically have it. But it's so interesting to think about like, again, how often, you know, um, we go to our head and it could be not even related to sex. It could be thinking about what you're going to do afterwards. It could be your grocery list, your email list, or can the kids hear us? Are we being too loud? You know, like this wasn't as good as last time. Do I need to grab my vibrator? Doesn't seem like things are working. Like whatever it might be, we typically are spinning in our heads instead of being with actual sensual experience of what's going on. So how could they get out of their head? Well, that (laughs) I was like, how do they get out of their heads? I mean, there's so many different ways. I think that the main thing is just to acknowledge when you are in your head, that is the biggest. And that's the first step that I teach all of my clients is like, oh, like thinking, right? Like there I am there. I'm thinking again. Okay. Take a deep breath. And I like to use the breath as kind of this conduit or this first step to get into the body. So it's just noticing, like letting your breath be an entrance back into your body. So as you're breathing in, you're letting your attention go back into your body and then paying attention to sensation. So paying attention to where you're being touched or uh, a sound or looking into your partner's eyes, but really paying attention to even just pick one sensation, like the, 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 where you're getting touched or what feels good on your body is a great place to go. Yeah. I was going to say that helps me kind of like slow down and get out of my head is yeah. Get off the grocery list. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Paying attention to feelings, their skin, feeling that and slowing down and paying attention to what's going on. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 
and being curious, right? Like that's the biggest thing and prompting your brain. Don't just tell your brain like, Hey brain, get back into my body. Like you're dry, you're drifting again. Just being like, what's here? What do I notice? What feels good? Like asking your brain a question is such a better way for it to go where you want it to focus on versus bullying it back into your body. (laughs) Yeah, no, so good. You are giving so much great advice. Um, I really hope our listeners are just getting so much out of this because I know it's a conversation I've even had, you know, with friends is that common and we could circle back just to that feeling when you're in a relationship, especially when you get busy, you blame it on that. And for me, I told you before we started, I never want to look at my partner when the kids are out of the house and be like, who are you? Right. So from the get go, that was a conversation that intimacy is part of the relationship. If not, it really is. is. I mean, and the other thing to even think about when the kids are in the house and all these things are happening, one of the main things I end up coaching women on now is them not seeing their parents having that or that not being represented. So also understanding it's not just like, oh, who are you? But if your kids are your main focus right now, and they tend to be because they take up a lot of time and energy, right, that they're also, you know, being seen like there's like this, like subconscious absorption of what they see and those interactions. And let me tell you, when you feel close with your partner, when you're experiencing intimacy, they notice that little kiss in the yes. kitchen. If they think versus- it's <laughs> Yeah. 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 And, or versus like, they also feel the tension if you're not really talking or if it does feel like roommates, like they feel it and they notice it. And so, you know, if it's like, really, you're thinking to yourself like, oh, the kids and I'm focusing on the kids and I'm doing all this stuff on the kids. Like, that's great. And also this is a big part of what you're teaching and representing for your children. That was a huge one for me having, Girls, I was like, I want them to see how I'm treated, how I'm loved, yes. how I'm taken care of. Cause I want them, you know, someday to get to go out and find a good partner. And if I don't ever show them and let them in on, like you said, that little kiss in the kitchen yeah. or saying, I love you or giving them a hug. Like if I don't show them that they're not going to know what to go look for. Right. Exactly. Or what they're, you know, worthy of or deserving of or how good it can be. You know, I think that's, that's a huge thing. And I was lucky enough to have that represented in my life. And I remember so many of my friends coming over because my parents were the kind of parents who would like kiss or like make out and like flirt, even if my parents or my friends were there, not like full on make out, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Like more than like more than a lot of parents, like they would kiss each other in front of them. And, um, and I remember being so embarrassed, like mom, like dad, like get out of here. And my friends still bring that up. They're like seeing your parents so in love and see your parents you know, having that kind of relationship, it's still something that I think about because that helped me think about me choosing my person because I was like, oh yeah, what Danielle's mom and dad had, like, that's so fun. Yeah, that is so important. I remember being around a little girl one time and she was, she saw that because she was like the opposite, actually. She was like, well, I think my daddy and mommy are mad at each other. Daddy slept on the couch. So kids really do take it all in and they- And they see that. Yeah, for sure. So it's worth the effort and the focus for sure. Yes. 
Um, well, Danielle, I really appreciate you taking the time, even though, like I said, probably get a little red talking about this. <laughs> I think it is so needed. And I hope that our listeners, like I said, found value in this today. So tell them how they can find you. Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, I'm at the practice of pleasure. Uh, so that's a great place just to kind of get to know my vibe, see that if I'm a good fit, you know, for you and for you to learn about all of these sorts of things. And then I have a number of different courses um, and you can find those at daniellesavory.com. And then also my podcast called It's My Pleasure, where we talk about all of this stuff all of the time. We invite all of the red cheeks to the conversation. <laughs> Um, you know, whether it comes from handling the mental load to getting more into your body to all of the things in between. That's where we have those discussions. Well, thank you. Are there any last words of wisdom that you want to leave our listeners with today? Uh, this is a really important part of you. It really is. And I think that the more women that allow themselves to start reclaiming and re-embracing their sexuality and prioritizing their pleasure, like a pleasured woman is an empowered woman. And we really can have a ripple effect on changing the world that when we start with us and reclaiming that for ourselves. Thank you. Yeah. For our listeners, how are you going to say hell yes to more pleasure? Oh, 